Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod, another trade deadline week edition. This time on the Western Conference with ESPN's front office insider, Bobby Marks. And we'll get to our conversation with Bobby here in a moment. First, I want to remind you to check out the Low Post with Zach Lowe, the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhurst, and of course, the SVP Pod with Scott Van Pelt. Now, let's bring in ESPN's front office insider, Bobby Marks. Bobby, we laid out the Eastern Conference in a pod. Let's look at the West. And I think one place to start in the Western Conference is, is in Minnesota because they've got, I think there's multiple possible deals for them with more than one player. And so I think they hold a little bit of the key to what this next week might look like. Robert Covington is a player I I'm very confident they're going to trade at some point this week, and they've got to figure out what that deal looks like for them. I think any number of contenders would like Covington. The question always is, as at what price and and what does it look like? Uh, and they need a point guard, and that's been a big part of their struggles this year. Is they moved Jeff Teague on? Um, they've got to find someone that they can partner with. Carl Anthony Towns. They were very focused on. D'Angelo Russell in the summer, they had the cap space to try to sign him or maybe maybe do a sign-and-trade with Brooklyn. He ends up doing the sign-and-trade with Golden State, gets a max deal, but as always was possible, there is a surplus of, of guards in Golden State. They're going to have Steph Curry coming back from uh, his hand injury sometime in March, and whether it's now at the trade deadline or maybe in the offseason, you know, D'Angelo Russell gives the Warriors a chance to maybe balance the floor out for them a little bit and maybe get an asset, another asset back, maybe another pick back. And so uh, I think for Minnesota, there's uh, for Gerson Rosas and his front office, Joe Branch, and trying to figure out where they go from here. This is this is a pretty important week. It is. I mean, I I considered, you know, I, I do this for a lot of front offices. You know, when John Hammond and Jeff Weltman took over in Orlando, it's you kind of almost use the first five months kind of as an audit. Right. Kind of just figuring out, you know, it's, everything is new. You know, even the, your roster that you've, you've never worked with any of these, these, these players before have dealt with them to kind of figure out like what works and what doesn't work. And as, you know, a lot of what, you know, Gerson inherited doesn't work. Right. I mean, let's, it's, it's pretty simple as far as they've had two 10 game losing streaks during, during the year. Um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns been injured in and out. Um, and I always say with Carl, although he signed that extension, you know, it, and you're in year one, the clock starts, right? Like you got to, you can't wait until you get to year three or four or you're going to get an, a call like Anthony Davis that he wants to get traded, right? Like you, st- you have to start kind of figuring out the pieces around. And you're right. You mentioned Covington, a really good contract. Um, he's got two years left after this year. Uh, they've got all their draft picks. Um, you've got Gorgie Jang, who, you know, as we thought that kind of was an undesirable contract, he's got another year left and is can be a serviceable center for you. The Wiggins contract is certainly holding you down, right? Andrew played well in October, November. I think he's reverted a lot back to kind of who we thought he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, he's a, a, in a wing in his mid twenties. Um, and he's under contract for the next four, um, four, uh, three years after the season. So yeah, Minnesota, I think if you're looking at the teams in the West, they're the team that could be the most active because although they're not going to make the playoffs this year, you're looking f- towards next year, 
um, you're looking towards kind of building. I always say starting your free agency in in uh, in mid February. Yeah, they're going to be engaged in a lot of conversations. They have been engaged with a lot of teams, and I think that's uh, you know that could play out. That that's going to play out here as this week moves forward. Let's go to the two. Uh, I think the two teams that have been the focus of the league throughout the Lakers and the Clippers. Let's start with the Lakers and. You know, certainly the, the Kobe Bryant tragedy sidetracked any any and all other business for the organization, especially for Rob Palenka, their president and GM, who uh, obviously was extremely close to Kobe, uh, was his agent for most all of his career, really, partnered with Arn Tellemurley and then was his agent um, singularly for uh, most of the re- for the entire rest of that career. And so the Lakers, though, will be reengaged here as we start the week and they've wanted kind of a secondary playmaker, whether they can find that in a trade, whether they wait for Darren Collison to say, I'm definitely coming back. And uh, I want to, uh, I think we know that I'm told he would absolutely like to play in LA, either Lakers or Clippers. And so you treat him a little bit like, you know, kind of part of the buyout market really, because I don't think he's going to be ready to do that until at least post all-star game or around all-star break anyway. So um, that's sort of in their back pocket if they can try to, you know, bring Collison on if there's not a trade. And I think with Kuzma, you know, Kyle Kuzma, they have talked, they have listened. I think his contract makes it hard. He just doesn't make, he's just making over $2 million. And it just, we've talked about this. It makes it hard to make the money work on a trade somewhere because you have to stack up contracts and, like how does it? How do you make it work with him uh, financially? And if you're if you're trading for an established uh, veteran player, you assume he's making a lot more than two million dollars. And so uh, I still think it's um, you never know. But but right now I think you know the Lakers have the idea of maybe having to gut their depth a little bit to trade for one guy. It may not make sense for them, and maybe it's only a marginal improvement over what they have in Kuzma anyway. Well, yeah, it's it's going back to stacking the contracts, right? When you have where Kyle is, you know, at two million dollars, you know, to you're not going to find a replacement there for a guy who's making you know three million dollars, four million dollars. That now you have to start looking at your roster with Marcus Cousins and Quinn Cook, players like that, and just kind of building up. And and when I look at the situation with Kyle, is that you know because they've given up. A lot, and rightfully so for Anthony Davis, that really Kyle Kuzma is their last really valuable trade chip they have. They don't have um, first round picks to, to trade. They've got um, future seconds that they potentially could put in the deal. But are you going, are you willing to, you know, just move Kyle now for a marginal improvement? And then you don't have anything else to get better outside of retaining your own free agents here. Clippers. They have a setup of contracts that are easier to trade. They have some guys in that, like the Mo Harklesses, where you add a pick in. You know, that guy who's making um, a, a number that makes it uh, a clear pathway to just put a deal together, not necessarily a player with more a lot of value, but just the money works. Uh, I think, you know, the Clippers are out, um, you know, again, around the edges. I don't think there's any wholesale type, Deals kind of like the deals they did last year. I don't think those are in the off 
often for the Clippers. I think teams tend to not call you. When you're at the top of the league, I think Bob Myers um, went through this. R.C. Buford went through this. When, when you have a team that's considered a favorite, you don't get a ton of calls. People don't think you're going to trade. And so I think those teams have found that out a little bit too. I think even Rob Palenka has found that a little bit. Uh, so Clippers are again around the edges and, you know, they're all going to, they're going to look into buyout market. Um, Memphis is promising everybody that Andre Iguodala will not be in the buyout market. And we'll get to that in a minute, but Collison's a player who's there and, and, and there'll be plenty of others. And if you are a buyout player this year, you know, guys always love going west. They always want to go to LA to do this. They, they want to play for the Lakers and, 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 and now the Clippers. And so those two teams are going to have their choice of whoever gets bought out. Like they're going to be 1-2 or 1-1-A uh, based on players' preferences or where there's an opportunity for a bigger role. And, and I think this is a frustration of smaller market teams that the buyout market is very stacked and skewered toward, you know, the coast, the power, you know, the, the, the highest profile uh, big market teams and, and smaller market teams who are trying to contend, they just don't really have access to guys that, that the Lakers and Clippers are going to have access to. Well, you're right. I mean, you look at the buyout market is that, you know, the Clippers and the Lakers have never really been a part of it because they haven't been as, you know, the Lakers certainly haven't been very good and the Clippers made the playoffs, you know, last year and, you know, had a little bit of a, you know, they were in a transition after Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, but yeah, Milwaukee last year, Portland, Indiana, all three teams that wind up signing players, um, who were eventually bought out three, yeah. three, um, three men market teams. And I think with, with the Clippers and, and similar to the Lakers, like we, we kind of know what their cards are, right? Like you kind of like, like show your cards and we kind of know where they are. You know, they've got a first round pick, but it's a, you know, pick 26 or pick 27. Does that do anything in, in, in a really bad, yeah. in what's considered a very poor draft, you know, so that doesn't do much. Um, you know, then it goes back to, do you want to start p- taking pieces off your roster? Do you, um, you know, is Andre Iguodala renting for three months? Um, you know, you'll have Montrezl Harrell, but that's a situation for the summer to figure out as far as his free agency here. Um, but I agree. I don't see that, you know, there's no Tobias Harris, you know, you know, 3 a.m. Wednesday night <laughs> type of right. deal out there um, to do. I mean, really for this group is just to kind of get to April healthy in one piece and we kind of know how, how who they are, um, you know, when they do so. What if you could accomplish all your resolutions this year by doing just one thing? Mindfulness is the best thing you can do to help you focus on all areas of your life, whether that's taking care of your body, getting more sleep, or finally starting that project you've always wanted to. With Calm, you can learn to be more mindful so you can achieve all your goals this year. Calm is the number one app for sleep, relaxation, and meditation. Calm has sleep stories, which are like bedtime stories for adults. They can help you fall into a deep, natural sleep in minutes, and stories are narrated by iconic voices like LeVar Burton and Nick Offerman. They also have soothing music from artists like Sam Smith, guided meditations, breathing exercises, and so much more to keep you relaxed and to help you de-stress. And if you go to com.com slash Woj, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Com Premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming. Over 60 million people use Com. Join them today to accomplish your goals tomorrow. For listeners of the Woj Pod, Com is offering a special limited time promotion 
of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Woj. That's 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library and new content is added every week. Get started today at calm.com slash Woj, W-O-J. That's calm.com slash Woj. What do you see with the Spurs, Bobby? Well, it's interesting because uh, it's not, I don't consider it rebuilding, it's retooling, right? We can, that's my word for them. They're on the outside of the playoffs right now. You've got Memphis holding on. You've got Portland coming on. Um, they've played better. DeMar DeRozan's played really well. What does he do with his player option? That's a big decision. $27 million. What, what is the market for DeMar DeRozan? Where, he, to me, it feels like you're either going to trade for him at this deadline or the Spurs are going to do a sign and trade for him in the summer. It's hard to imagine there's just, I'm just going to sign in somebody's free agent space. Um, I'm not quite sure who that team is. Now, maybe that's a team who will create the space between now and then that we, that will do some deals and create the space. But it feels like DeRozan's future is a little bit at, or, or he resigns and does something else with San Antonio. Like, it's hard to imagine him opting out and signing a free agent, straight free agent deal, isn't it, when you look at the landscape? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to think that he would sign a, a, a team would give him four years, $100 million. Um, because that's where teams get in trouble is that you reward guys for the past and not what the future is going to be. I mean, we see that teams, um, teams get them, you know, get caught up in that. And, you know, I had a, a conversation with a, a general manager a couple of years ago about just, you know, like there's really never a formula. How do you pay guys, right? Like, what is the what is that hidden formula? Yes, there's a lot of analytics here, and and, and it, what it comes back to is that the market dictates it, right? The market dictates what a player's salary. Is. So, if you think um, if there's 30 teams that have cap space, yeah, a lot of guys are going to get paid. That's just how it's going to be. But what happens with Demar Derozan when you have Char? Does he want to go play in Charlotte? Does he want to go play in Memphis? Does he want to go play in Cleveland? Does he want to go play in Atlanta? And out of the teams you just mentioned, how does he make sense for any of them? They're rebuilding. They're not rebuilding around a an outstanding player, but in his thirties, it doesn't fit their. It doesn't necessarily fit their their clock and where their their young guys are. Now. Well, yeah, especially if you're looking at Memphis, you can have Dylan Brooks for ten million and. Instead of paying Demar Derozan twenty six million, and then you can maybe find a a piece here for that other sixteen. If you're Detroit and you've got thirty five million dollars and Andre Drummond is not coming back, why would you go out and pay twenty seven million where you can go get a point guard, you can get a center, you can kind of just fill in the gaps? These teams are, you know, they're not one piece away, right? They're three or four, and they've got to keep on adding here. Yeah, I, but I, it's it's also interesting. What was like, you know, we talked about Golden State not making the deal, like. Like RC Buford, are, you know, had a basketball operations. I mean, a lot of it's dictated because they've had a really good team. They're not known to shaking it up during um, during the season. So that's yeah. going to be interesting as far as yeah. what he does. Yeah, and you know, Brian Wright, Brian Wright, their general manager now is he took over this season. You know, RC obviously moved up to an oversight role as president of both business and and obviously still oversees basketball. Um, certainly has a voice in basketball. And, and, and obviously Greg Popovich is, um, you know, ultimately is still the ultimate decision maker in, in, in basketball operations. But he has always, I think, allowed his front office staff to really, you know, when he's had, he's had people he believes in and they believe in Brian Wright and they're going to let them drive where this goes in a lot of ways. But certainly Pop's got final say. And my sense is 
with San Antonio, it might be a scenario here where if they could, with DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay, I don't know how much value there is for Rudy Gay right now on the market. I don't know what they could get back for him. They certainly, there's still value for Aldridge. There's certainly value for DeRozan. I think it may be a little bit of an all or nothing proposition that if they could line up all of them and say, we're going full rebuild, let's see what assets we could get back for them all at once. If that all lined up, and I think that's hard to do in this marketplace, that's something they would look at. Or it may not just be a one-off. Well, we're just going to move one of them and then sort of, sort of be trying to get in the playoffs, but sort of not. I, I, I think unless there's just one guy who somebody's in love with and, and really brings back the kind of return, they don't know that'll be there later. But I, I, I do think there's a little bit of a, in getting a sense of the conversations they've had around is that, but I've also like, they've also had conversations with teams about trying to improve themselves. So I think what they've been doing is looking at everything. What if we try to improve this team for the rest of the season? What if we move one guy? What if we move everybody? Which is like, that's the job, right, Bobby? You've got to look at every, here are all the options we have. Let's put them all on the board. Here's what we could, here's what we, our assets could potentially get us. Here's what liquidating could get us. And what direction do the Spurs want to go in? And I think as much as any team, they're at that crossroads. Well, it's like driving, like getting off the parkway, right? What exit you want to get off of? You want to get off the exit of rebuilding or you want to get off the exit of trying to hang in there? And it's, it's like, if you, and if you miss, miss both of them, man, you're going to be, you're going to be stuck in that unforgiven place of middle. Yeah. <laughs> we see a lot of teams here. And, um, but you're right. Like, but the other thing too is that, you know, I was talking to a team and, you know, just trying to gauge as far as what they were going to do. And they're like, yeah, we'd love to make a deal, but it takes two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it takes, like, everyone talks about, like, oh, they need to make a trade, but like, they make, it takes two teams to do it. Like, that's the hard part of this. And, it takes two, and there's also a deadline, right? There's no deadline in June. There's no deadline in July. Um, it's a little bit different because you don't have the contracts to kind of line up here. But when you're faced with a 3 o'clock hard deadline and you're still in it, right? I think if San Antonio had, I mean, really kind of faltered, but, I mean, there's still three or a couple games out of it. Um, and if they feel that they compete, they can compete with, I mean, let's face it, they're going to get the Lakers, you know, if they do get an eight, if that goes from Memphis or, um, you know, Portland also. Um, but what's the priority as far as getting into the playoffs? Let's go to Memphis with Andre Wadala. And they have, since they made that trade with Golden State before summer free agency last year, they have wanted to move him on. They both agreed he wouldn't be a part of the team. He would stay in exile, work out, be ready, and that they would trade him before the deadline. Um, Memphis has been pretty, very insistent that there's not going to be a buyout, that they're going to find a trade for him. If you want him, and that message has been sent to the Lakers, to the Clippers, if you want him, you are going to have to trade for him, that we're going to find a home for him, and you're not going to get him on a buyout. And so that's, which is what, if you're trying to get a trade, that's the message you've got to send out regardless. I do think, are they going to get a first-round pick for him? Maybe with heavy protections, I, I don't know. But like, could they get two seconds? Could they get a very good second, something really early? You know, those are all. But they're going to probably be able to get something here between now and Thursday. And whoever's trading for Iguodala, like they're trading for him. They want him. They want him 
for the playoffs. And they've got here the last you know couple months of the season to get him revved up, get him uh, build his uh, chemistry with a new group, and and get him on his way. Um, trying trying to help your team win, but I think I think there's certainly some teams in the East too. They could make it work. That um, you know the, the Lakers. Maybe there's another conversation to be had with the Lakers uh, yet before this trade deadline is up. Can they make it work? And and certainly for Iguodala, who if he got a buyout, his preference would be to be in L.A. To be in L.A. with the Lakers, with the Clippers. That's sort of where his thought process has been. You know, he may get a call this week saying, "Hey, you're going somewhere in the East. You're going to another team in the West that jumped in here." But it'll be really interesting to see the impact that Iguodala has at 35 years old, out all season, that he might have on this playoff race. Yeah, you have him for what four months, right? That's your that's your commitment to him, and and you're right, he hasn't played um, since we lost last saw him in the in the Toronto series. Um, You've got to send out twelve million. Um, I don't. I think it would be hard getting a, a, a one for him. I think if there was, if that was the case, they would probably already have done it. Unless there's a team out there that says, "Hey, you know what? He, we need him right now." Maybe an injury happens Monday or Tuesday. Um, certainly that dictates. But I think yeah, I think you're looking at more of a you know second round um, you know pick for him. I think the interesting thing is that what happens if a second round pick never materializes. Right. Like that's, you know, as you mentioned, they've been pretty firm as far as no, there's no, you know, no buyout. Right. Um, as far as what happens past February 6th. And I think, I think the likelihood is that there's something out there, but what happens after that? Um, you know, going back to Memphis team in the playoffs. Um, you know, that's it. But as you said, it's not like they they would go back on their word and say, you know what, we'll buy you out. And then all of a sudden, like, well, wait a minute. No, now we want you back here because we're in the playoffs. Well, that is the interesting part of this. When they traded for him, they never imagined they'd be in the eighth seed this late in the season or they'd be competing for the playoffs. This team has exceeded all expectations. And, you know, it's funny. In a lot of ways, he would fit in tremendously with them. I mean, you talk about having a former Finals MVP, a guy who has been really one of the smartest players, one of the really great leaders, one of the great winners in the league – to me, you'd want him around that young group you have, but I think there's kind of a bridge that was crossed when he goes, and I don't know that there's – not sure there's a way to put that back together. I'm not sure either side is real motivated to do it either, but like knowing what you know now, he would have made a lot of sense. The, the influence he might have had on the this younger group if he wanted to be there, if he was into being there, but I think mentally he is – Probably and rightfully so, because the team and he agreed to it, that he was mentally already putting himself uh, somewhere else. So that'll be the Iguodala trade discussions will be interesting uh, this week. And you know, one other team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, a team who could, if they wanted to, you know, liquidate the talent they have, they they're sort of one stop shopping for whatever you need, right? You want a, a playmaking uh, guard who can play either spot and Dennis Schroeder. You got a a wing forward and Danilo Gallinari. You got a center and Steven Adams. And, you know, this is a team that, uh, and, and hey, listen, if you want an all star point guard, he's there too. If you're willing to pay him $44 million in the last year of his deal in two years, which is, is tough. That's tough for anybody. So, uh, but they're all there and it's sort of like, it'll be interesting to see 
I think Oklahoma feels, barring a catastrophe, we're going to be in the playoffs. And it's been a fun ride. Our fans are enjoying this. Billy Donovan's coaching is enjoying coaching this team. And again, and you talked about it earlier, just because Gallinari is a free agent, the groups, the teams who have space out there, except for maybe in New York, you're not quite sure what fits there for him. They're going to need him for a sign and trade, and they can play out the season. He can do a sign and trade after the year, and then you get to the summer, and then you've got Adams and Schroeder with one year left on their deals, and and you can revisit this, but they're open for business. They're listening, and they're seeing what anybody might want to offer this Thunder team, but they could do nothing and not really put any of their future. It's not going to cost them long-term. They can still get value for any one of these guys at a later date. They don't have to do it by Thursday. Well, there's no pressure for them to do it because they're either, um, you know, they're in the seventh spot. I think they're what nine or 10 games above 500. I mean, you're right at barring a disaster. Um, they'll be in the playoffs, which is something we didn't think about when in mid July, right? when they're, when you're trading out Paul George and you're swapping, uh, Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul. Um, and, and tell you the one guy they're not trading, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, no. who has been outstanding. He's been outstanding, and and you know that's going to be their point guard. When you look around that roster and, and everybody they have to go forward with, that's the one guy you know they're building around that guy. Yeah, I mean, and even with, with Dennis Schroeder, um, who didn't fit where Atlanta was going a couple years ago, and, you know, it would have been easy for... Oklahoma City to stretch Carmelo Anthony, use the wave and stretch provision, take a seven million, eight million dollar, you know, cap hit on him. But just going back, I think about that from two years ago. Is that like once you do that, like you'll that's just a dead hit, right? It's a dead cap hit. Where Schroeder's been like six man good, um, so it would be hard to to pry away from him. You know, certainly Gallinari we've talked about, and they've played well when Gallinari's been hurt. Yeah, they have. I think they were five and they had a they're five and one somewhere around there. Um, but uh, that team is, you know, they don't they don't build with cap space trades, the draft kind of that's how they kind of the, the meat of that team is. And like Toronto, we thought those were going to be the wild card teams, right? When the season started, Toronto, Oklahoma City, when we expiring contracts, we didn't know how good they were going to be. But now you see both teams are, um, you know, Toronto is different in the East, but firmly in the playoffs. So guys, listen, it is trade deadline week in the NBA. And if you were ever going to have an absolute ready-made perfect sponsor for the Woj Pod on trade deadline week, it would be five-hour energy, and here they are. I showed up in Bristol today, got a note in my mailbox, you have a package, which I almost never get. I go open up the box, and what is it? A box of five-hour energy, strawberry banana, tropical burst, and let me tell you, I am going to plow through that this week. Listen, anybody who knows anything about what five-hour energy drink can do for you, it's going to help you stay alert and energized when you absolutely need it. With zero sugar, four calories, and a convenient portable size, it's the perfect pick-me-up for busy, hardworking people. And now it comes in two great extra-strength tropical tastes, strawberry banana, Tropical Burst, they're delicious, and they can take you on a tropical, on-the-go experience. For me this week, they're going to get me to Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern and a trade deadline, I promise you. 
Try them both. Then go online to shop the number five ourenergy.com and use the code WOJ to receive a one-time offer of 10% off your order. So go to shop, S-H-O-P-5, ourenergy.com and use the code WOJ, W-O-J, to receive a one-time offer of 10%. Five-hour energy, energy on the go. Bobby, you mentioned a team that had never had to do or make or really negotiate trades during the regular season for the last... Five years, the Golden State Warriors, and now Bob Myers, uh, they're in the middle of those. And now two things. What do they do with D'Angelo Russell, if anything at all, if something makes sense for them, perhaps with a Minnesota, but others? And again, they don't have to do anything right now. And then they've got guys, you know, we saw it start with Willie Cauley-Stein, the trade, sending him to Dallas and getting back a second-round pick. And now they're in asset gathering uh, mode and Alec Burks is another player who very well could be traded this week. Glenn Robinson's a player who could go before the deadline so they can start to get back into the draft and uh, start to, you know, get some value back for those role players and, and, you know, the possibility of they may have the number one overall pick or the number two pick based on uh, where they finish and what happens in the lottery. But, Golden State's in a very different mode than they've had to be in, in any any previous year here. Well, you're right. I mean, we saw the, the Coley-Stein trade um, about 10 days ago. You get a second. I think you can do the same if you wanted to do it. Alec Burks is having a really good year. Glenn Robinson, the third, has been healthy, um, has been a good year. You know, you if you don't do anything, you have non-bird rights on them, so you're really kind of using your some of your exception, which is going to be challenging because you've got – you know, with D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, you know, you're a, you know, you're over the cap. So you're not, it's not like you, you can bring him back and pay him, you know, good money. Um, so that's the direction if they want to go in. Um, they're three point, you know, uh, two million dollars or three point seven million dollars above the luxury tax. I don't see a scenario where there is a priority. Um, you know, and it would, it would, you'd have to move a player like Kevon Looney who, I mean, who's been hurt. Um, they've already saved money. Um, they're printing money in that arena, <laughs> right? Yeah. But still, the luxury tax is a luxury tax. You know, for Joe Lakeup, it says like, you know, five million is five million dollars to write a check for that. So yeah, so you're looking at kind of those, the, the margins with, with, uh, Burks and Robinson. Of course, you know, D'Angelo Russell is the name that we, you know, was signed and traded, um, you know, in, in the off season and, and, and has had a really good year. But if you're he's had a very, he's had a really very good, year. really good yeah. year. I mean, under, under those circumstances, right? Especially when you, you know, the, the, the rap on D'Angelo was that, you know, we know what happened in Los Angeles. He goes to Brooklyn and then like people are saying like he's a system player, right? You know, like he, he would only fit in Brooklyn with, you know, Kenny Atkinson. Those guys have done, did a great job. And then what happens when you take him out of that environment? And you could see in, in Golden State, he's, he's grown up. He's developed. He's, he's, um, certainly all-star worthy. I mean, he put that Brooklyn team on his back last season, helped them get into the playoffs when Karis Levert had gone down early. Levert had been their best player. And then, you know, you saw what he and Spencer Dinwiddie both did together. And, and he has had some, tremendous performances in Golden State. It's not easy to play with that team. They've had so many injuries. He's been surrounded by so many young, inexperienced players, and you're doing it in the Western Conference, and uh, he's been outstanding. I, I think D'Angelo Russell has answered all the questions 
that people had about him. And some of them, they were fair. They were fair early in L.A. He wasn't ready for everything that came at him. Well, like, welcome to the NBA. That's how it is. And he has validated being the second overall pick. He was a a legitimate all-star in the East. And, you know, that max contract was like if there were more teams with space, he would have had more offers than, you know, getting that sign and trade with with Golden State and and Minnesota would have done it if they 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 would have they would have spent every dollar they could have uh, to get at him. Uh, they were trying to create all the space they could. So uh, he has value, and I think that's why Gold, Golden State's going to be and Bob Myers is going to be you know careful and make sure he gets back the value he wants uh, for him. You know, you look at the rest of the West, Bobby Houston limited in what they could do. I think Clint Capella is really the one player with value they have that if they wanted to put Capella into a trade, um, you know, that they could get back something of value. They can't trade Eric Gordon um, off of his contract extension. And uh, I think really for them, either they can do something around the edges. They've tried all year. They tried for months with Iguodala and uh, I don't want to say gave up on it, but they, they tried every two, three, four, eight team scenario. They could, couldn't figure out a way to get that done. And, um, but I do think Houston, like Daryl, can't help himself. Daryl Morey can't help. He's going to make a trade. He always does. <laughs> yeah, right. um, and yeah. he's he's itching right. to do it. He, and so that's just like he's going to try to improve that team. And so we'll see what they do here. But I think Capella, you, you talk to people around the league and and get a sense of where's a pathway for a deal with them. It's moving Clint Capella. If you're not going to move Capella, I'm not sure what of any significance they can do. Well, you're right. I mean. Um, you know, the one contract they'd like to have right now is that Nene contract, right? I mean, that well, would have they, been the golden. They, they tried that. <laughs> that would have been the golden ticket as far as what the deal would have been. But I mean, you're Gordon can't be traded. You're not moving Westbrook and Harden, right? And then PJ Tucker is it's on a great contract. So, you know, Clint Capella is kind of like the guy, like the last man standing in the room. Um, Explain to people what they tried to do with the Nene contract and why they tried to do it. Yeah. So what they tried to do was, um, Nene has got a base contract of um, you know two point six million. They wound up putting about seven and a half million of in incentives in there, which were deemed likely at the time because it was for games played. It was tiered three, which ironically is counting ten million dollars in, in the cap. What the what the league went over was that it was basically they violated the spirit of the rule. Like we knew what the intention was, right? The intention right. was. Nene was never going to hit the games played. I mean, we've seen he's been injured or he's been out for the whole year. Um, they've, they kept the contract intact, but for, for cap purposes, for trade purposes, only 2.6 million out of the 10 can be used in a trade. Um, in a perfect world, Houston would have been able to take that $10 million contract and maybe they could have gone out and got a Robert Covington and maybe given them a first round pick. But that's, um, but that's not the case because as the league said, the spirit of the rule was violated because the likelihood where the Rockets were in attacks of Nene playing, you know, 15, 20, 30 games, um, was unlikely there. We're not going to hit every team again. I, this isn't meant to be like, fully comprehensive. We weren't trying to hit all 30 teams, although maybe we've mentioned, uh, I'm looking at a couple. We didn't mention a couple, few here. Uh, one other team in the West, Bobby, the Denver Nuggets, Malik Beasley, um, Hernan Gomez are two players who they've, you know, have had any number of discussions with. The one thing about Denver is, listen, they tried to do an extension with Malik Beasley. He's an important role player for them. They didn't come to an agreement on his 
rookie extension in the fall. And so he could be a restricted free agent. They could match uh, an, an offer sheet. But, like, they kind of know. Like, in your mind, you know how far you really like to go to pay somebody. And, and, you, and it's in context with the rest of your roster and who else you have to pay and where your team payroll goes. And so I do think, though, with Denver, there's a lot of interest in Beasley. Like, he can help anybody. But my sense is they don't they don't want to be a diminished team by trading. I mean, they've got to get back somebody – who helps them win and not just an asset for down the road. Um, now, maybe that changes by Thursday, but I think their intent has been like, he's been an important player for us. We want to win. We are trying to win the West. We are trying to advance in the playoffs. And so the idea of just a throw-in player and maybe a, a so-so pick, I, I don't think has great appeal to him. So it'll be interesting to see if there's a deal out there for them with Beasley. I think if this was three or four years ago and Denver was fighting to get in the eighth seed, um, or, you know, like we saw that playing game against Minnesota, then I think Malik Beasley probably wouldn't be on the roster past Thursday. But you're right. I mean, this is a team that's going to win 55 games again. Um, is going to be a high seed. They're going to be a top four seed, likely. And I think when you look at where the roster is, you know, Gary Harris – has been injured, um, you know, a little bit of inconsistency this year. And Beasley gives you such a great insurance policy for him. Um, you saw that in the the win against Milwaukee. Uh, Beasley played well. Hernan Gomez played well. So what is what are you trying to do if you're just going to move uh, one of these guys for the 25th pick in the draft? When you're, and what does that send? To, what message does that send in your locker room too? Yeah. Right. That is a. You know, you've already and you've you've committed money to. It's like similar to like you know trading Mason Plumley, for example, like. If we're just going to trade Mason Plumley for two second round picks, what like what does that do for you? What yeah. like they've they've gradually, um, you know, Tim Connolly or Torres Karnishvis has gradually built this roster to be in a spot to try to win a championship. Now they're they're not in a position to take a step back. They wouldn't have committed right. max money to Jokic and Jamal Murray. That like let's get through the trade deadline with with Beasley and Hernan Gomez, and then let's just figure it out when we get to June. Maybe it will. Maybe there'll be an offer sheet we can't match, and that's going to be that's you know so be it. Yeah, and I, and I think for Denver too, you know Michael Porter Jr. We may not see it in this postseason, but I just think Porter Jr. becomes a player for them who ultimately can help put them shoulder to shoulder with anybody in that conference. I mean, they got at the 14th pick, they got a player who has top three overall talent. He's healthy now, and you know they're going to play him through like. He's a young kid, and you're putting him in really important games at a high level. And at times, he's spectacular. At times, he's still trying to feel his way around. But you know it's coming with him. And he is – you put him with Murray and Jokic and, and Porter, and, and he becomes like a third star for them. And this is a team that's set up really, really well for for years to come. Well, you're right. I mean, you've got, as you said, Murray and Jokic and now Porter – Right. There's going to be some teams in that from that draft. And we knew the back issues, right? Going in those teams that are in that, that nine, 10, 11 range, maybe New York, you know, like mm-hmm. that could have take the risk, but that's for another day. But yeah. you've seen the glimpses here of, uh, he's got the potential of being a, a special player. Yeah. Well, NBA trade deadline this week, uh, Thursday, 3 p.m. We've got another Woj and Low show. At 5 p.m. on Wednesday night, which will be obviously trade deadline focused. 
uh, Bobby Marks and Zach Lowe and a cast of many will be here in Bristol. We'll be in L.A. And um, it should be a fun week, Bobby. Yep. Looking forward to it. 